Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here on episode 699. Gosh, that's like, uh, well, 699 consecutive weeks of doing this show. Haven't missed one week yet. This might be my longest relationship ever. So here we go with uh, staff writer Richard Sims standing by with Cruise News and Glenn giving us a review of Carnival Sunshine out of Charleston, South Carolina. Get your daily Cruise News just opposite of this channel at Cruise News Today or on our YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here. Hello, Richard. Hey, Doug. Glad to be here. So on Wednesday, there was an announcement on Carnival Cruise Line's next mega ship, Carnival Celebration. There was. Um, as with everything involving this ship, there was a little bit of a party atmosphere going on. Although it was interesting, this was one of the first times that they've actually done a virtual press conference. With um, uh, Christine Duffy actually said that they probably would do more of this in the future, which makes sense. It's cheaper. You know, they don't have to to fly everyone to to wherever they're doing the press conference. Um, they could, you know, sort of control it and do a lot of videos. Which which they did. They had a lot of video segments. Uh, but but the real news that came out of this wasn't that they did a virtual press conference. It was the name of the sixth and final zone. So just like with Mardi Gras, Carnival Celebration will have six zones. And the newest one, which they announced today, is the Gateway. I thought it was kind of funny that they made such a big deal about the fact that they were announcing the name of the sixth zone, given that it's been on the blueprints for a while. I assumed that it would that that, that was just like, oh, that's a temporary hold name until they put something there. But no, it actually is the gateway. And it's sort of this zone is dedicated to all things travel. It'll include a bar called Latitudes with, you know, that big board in the middle of Grand Central that like flips. It has the flipping tiles every time uh, that tells you when a train is going to be delayed or arriving. Well, the bar above uh, or right above the bar on Latitudes, they're going to have a similar thing. It'll be like, you know, clicking and putting personal messages up there and things. They're hoping that people will like put their messages to their for their birthdays up there and maybe anniversary announcements stuff like that uh, it's kind of the whole bar itself is a little bit evocative of a train station bar or an airport bar which is what they were going for um it's that's going to go sort of in the same area that right now on mardi gras you have the fortune tellers bar so something completely different than what was there before this area will also include another branch of Emerald's Bistro. 
This one is going to feature not just New Orleans-style food, which is what they did on Mardi Gras, but sort of a collection of some of his favorite recipes from as he was traveling around the world. Again, in keeping with the theme of travel. There's also an area where um, there's going to be these giant 12-foot, they look like windows, but they're really LEDs. It's sort of a, almost almost like you see in the funnels on Carnival Vista, that same sort of technology. And they'll also be in the ceiling above the promenade, which will allow them to really create whole events in that space. They were talking about how, like, at Christmas time, you might see Santa floating by, or, you know, you might see across the sky, it looks as if the Carnival airship is flying above. They will each night have a theme in this area, which will be echoed not only via the windows, but also like maybe there'll be, um, let's say the theme is Mardi Gras, which would be ironic because it's a celebration. But anyway, they might have um, scenes from New Orleans on the windows, and then the bar might be serving like a hurricane or some similar New Orleans themed drink. So, you know, it's a, it's, this is the final area. Most of the other areas of the sh- on the ship are very, very similar to what we saw on Mardi Gras, which of course has been very popular. And it'll have the same, you know, it'll have the bolt and it'll have uh, the guy's pig and anchor smokehouse brew house down in Summer Landing. But uh, if you want all the information on this, we've got an article up today about the gateway as well as what other areas have been announced on the ship. Man, your bird is singing today. What'd you do? Cover him up? I did. I did. I wish it was my bird. It's out in the middle of the woods, and it's a beautiful (laughs) bird. I wish you all could see it. It's it's gorgeous. Norwegian Cruise Line has canceled some Norwegian escape sailings. Yeah, this is as a result of a dry dock. Now, this was not a scheduled dry dock. They're calling it a required dry dock. And as a result, sailings from September 8th up to and including October 2nd have been canceled. What's interesting here is that they just sort of had the ship in being repaired for a few weeks after you'll remember this is the same ship that ran aground when it was leaving the Dominican Republic uh, back in April. And so several, they had to cancel several sailings and the ship was repaired. So they haven't really said exactly what repairs are needed to be made now. Currently the ship is summering in Europe, which my parents always said they wanted to do uh, sailing out of Rome, doing like 11 night sailings, the voyages that are canceled, are nine and ten night Greek Isle cruises. In November, the ship will do a 16 night repositioning cruise to Port Canaveral and she'll stay there until the spring. And Carnival Freedom is finally going to make its return after that little fire incident it had a couple of weeks ago down in Grand Turk. Just a little fire, nothing to see here. Honestly, it was really just a little fire. I mean, you know, when you hear the words fire in association with a cruise ship, it can be a very scary thing. They tell you all the time. You know, on every ship, the announcement you hear is that, you know, fire is one of the biggest dangers a ship faces at sea. Luckily, it was not even at sea. It was pulling into the port and wound up basically fully docked by by the time that the fire was really raging. And the crew on board did an amazing job putting it out. Uh, and the repairs are now basically wrapping up. So it will soon be heading back out to sea. There is an investigation going on. They're do- the Coast Guard is doing what they call a marine casualty investigation. And that's a little bit misleading of a name because there were, of course, no injuries, let alone casualties associated with this fire. But it looks like, you know, it could take a while to find out 
what actually was behind it. Both Carnival and the uh, Coast Guard are doing investigations, and they say they'll you know, release the results of those investigations once they have it. But for now, the ship is ready to go and ready to take passengers again. A good news, bad news situation for a couple of cruise lines. But you know what? We're optimists here, so we're going to start with the good news. Definitely. So the good news is that two cruise lines are now back fully sailing. We've get, gotten to say this a few times. We've gotten to say it with Norwegian. We've gotten to say it with uh, with Carnival. Now, um, MSC is now fully sailing. Their last ship to hit the water was the Musica sailing out of Venice. And Seabourne is also fully back and functioning. Their last ship to hit the water was Sojourn sailing out of Athens. That said, we do have a little bit of bad news, and that is regarding Virgin's latest ship, the Resilient Lady. So their third ship was supposed to start sailing in the not-too-distant future, but they have been having a lot of the same kind of problems we're hearing other cruise lines have. You know, um, we've heard a lot about the difficulty with supply chains and, and most particularly with getting crew members on board and getting their visas taken care of and all that, there have been major, major um, jam-ups in that system. And Virgin is having the same problem as other ships. So they have actually decided that rather than sail with, you know, uh, not enough staff or having people complain that they don't have, you know, that they haven't been able to meet the right service requirements, stuff like that. So they're actually going to postpone the return, uh, or not the return, the beginning of sailings for the Resilient Lady. They haven't said exactly yet when the ship will start sailing, but those who were impacted by this, hey, they do end up a little bit of good news. They get a 200% future cruise credit. So they lost one cruise, but they get to take two more. So, you know, that's that seems like a fair trade-off. And we'll touch more on that Virgin story a little bit later. But first, christening Rotterdam in Rotterdam. Yeah, you know, and it's actually interesting. So Holland America Line has a ship, the Rotterdam, which they've had like, I can't remember if it's six, seven different versions of, you know, they they tend to just keep recycling that name. Uh, this time it was christened by Her Royal Highness Princess Marguerite of the Netherlands. And this is the fifth ship that she served as godmother. Holland America is interesting in that they do that. They reuse not only the reuse, that sounds terrible. They reuse not only the names of the ships, but they have various members of the royal family of the Netherlands serve um, as godmother of several of the ships. It's unlike here where, you know, like Kelly Clarkson does one. She doesn't get like six ships. Uh, what's kind of cool here is this is the fifth ship, like I said, that she's the godmother of. They actually received delivery of the ship back in 2021, but they wanted to be able to christen the Rotterdam, as you said in your intro, in Rotterdam. So they put it off until the COVID restrictions were lifted and travel was, you know, back to a little bit closer to normal so that they could actually do it there. One of the fun things about this was they had um, a couple on the ship, David and Gisela Gear, who were named Marine Ambassadors, or Mar or ambassadors, excuse me. And the reason is they have sailed nearly 2,500 days with Holland America Line, including they've sailed on several different versions of the Rotterdam. 2,500 days is, you know, that's a nice chunk of time to have been able to spend at sea. I, I don't think I've come anywhere quite close to that. You might be racking up that many. Not quite that much, but you know, these world cruises like Royal Caribbean's doing that 270 night cruise and uh, Regent is doing 150 night cruise. 
I love cruising, but I don't think I could be on a ship that long. I definitely couldn't. People say that to me all the time. You know, hey, do you want to, why don't you go get a job working on a ship? And I, I don't want that because then it wouldn't become special. You know, right now I'm counting down. I've got the Carnival Magic is my next ship in something like 81 days. And I'm really excited about it. And would I jump on something sooner if given the opportunity? Yes, it just happens to be that's the next one that I have available. But would I want to live on a ship? No, because then it's not quite, it's not as special anymore. It's not something to look forward to. It just becomes, you know, the norm. All right, listener question comes from Mark in Alpine, New York. He asks, I'm booking my first cruise and there is a minimum deposit due. If I opt to pay more than the minimum, but I later cancel, Will I lose all the money I paid or only the deposit? That's a good question. And like a lot of things, it's one of those situations where we recommend that you make sure you know exactly what the policy is where your cancellation is concerned. Most of the time, if you cancel before the 90-day period, uh, um, almost every cruise line has a cutoff date. If you if you cancel your trip before that period, you will get everything back except your non, non-refundable deposit. However, there are situations where, you know, if you book a certain type of rate, the entire rate might be, might be non-refundable. So you really, really, really want to make sure that you read the fine print or have your travel agent check the fine print. Make sure you understand exactly when the cancellation date is and what you get back based on when you cancel. But for the most part, if you are booking a a cruise that has, say, a $200 uh, required deposit at the time that you book it, and let's say you're booking it a year in advance, you should, unless you book a non-refundable refund, you should be able to get even that $200 back if you cancel before a certain period. However, if you book with a non-refundable refund, then you're going to lose that $200 no matter when. You could book it you could book it today, a year out and cancel it tomorrow and lose that $200. So, really 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 keep an eye on that. It's 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 right up there with making sure you have travel insurance with the important things to know is what the cancellation policies are and how much you'll lose under the under what circumstances. Yeah, a lady down the hall just canceled her cruise that she booked a couple of months ago and she lost $200 and she was accused the cruise line of taking her money. And I'm like, I, I pulled the fair code up and I'm like, this is the fair code you booked under. And it says non-refundable deposit of $100 per person. So she's like, oh, I didn't realize it worked like that. So yeah, always look at your fair code before you book. Yeah. So, I mean, it is completely possible to book something where you don't lose anything. I've had that happen. Um, and it's also really depends on if you're canceling or moving. A lot of times, let's say you book something that's a non-refundable uh, uh cruise deposit, they might be willing to move that deposit to another booking. I've had that happen where I should have lost it because I canceled on a non-refundable um, deposit, but you know, they looked at my record and they saw I cruised quite a bit and they were like, well, what if we do this? What if, are you rebooking? And I said, yes. They said, rebook now and we'll move your deposit over. That can sometimes happen, but even that you don't want to count on. Make sure you know what they, what the requirement is. They might be nice and do that, but they're probably not, they certainly weren't required to do that in my case. They could have easily just said, no, sorry, you lose your $250. Very good. I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, as always, thank you, my friend. Glad to be here, as always. Have a tip or a lead on a news story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Local, national, and worldwide, we've got you covered. Top stories and industry analysis every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News with Doug Parker. So Glenn just returned from a five-night cruise aboard Carnival Sunshine out of Charleston, South Carolina, down to the Bahamas and back. He joins us on the line. Welcome back, Glenn. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Glenn, what made you want to take that seven-nighter out of Charleston? Because you live up in Canada and Charleston is still chilly this time of year. Well, funny enough, we had originally booked uh, to take a cruise on the Horizon out of Miami. But uh, because of COVID restrictions with flying in and out of Canada, we were a little bit concerned about flying down. And then if any of us got COVID, we would have been stuck in Miami afterwards, not able to get back. So the thought of driving down, which is about 26 hours for us was not that appealing. So what we opted to do is uh, go to Charleston instead, which is about a 16-hour drive, uh, a little closer. And funny enough, I had listened to one of your older podcasts uh, about the sunshine, and it sounded good. So I opted to change it from the horizon to the sunshine. 16 hours. Wow. Do you drive that straight through? There was a massive storm coming. So what we did is we left right after work on the Friday night and we did a few hours and then we slept on the road and then we did the rest the next day. Did you do any pre-cruise time in Charleston? Yeah, we did actually. The cruise was beginning on Monday. So we got to Charleston late on Saturday night and we spent the entire day Sunday. And for anyone thinking about going out to Charleston, Charleston is absolutely beautiful. What a beautiful city to visit. And that was a big, big bonus to the whole cruise. This may be a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Any different protocols or rules coming from Canada to cruise here? Yes, we do. So we had to take a test before we took it up in Canada and uh, it had to be 72 hours prior to sailing. Mm -hmm. So there was enough of a window there to get to the port and be okay to get on the ship. So it's the same rules that you guys have. Gotcha. Uh, the, the only rule difference is for us to get back to the country. Gotcha. So how was the embarkation process when you arrived at the cruise terminal over in Charleston? Oh, boy, Doug. I believe the Sunshine is the only ship that goes out of that port. Mm -hmm. And it's really a makeshift type of port. It's not a, uh, it's not like a Miami or a Fort Lauderdale where they're churning out ships every day. And it, it, there's, it's basically a tent within an old warehouse. We opted to park right at the port. And apparently the computer systems had gone down when we arrived. So there was a massive, massive lineup just lined up outside the building. Mm -hmm. So to go from the parking lot to the ship took us over an hour. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of brutal. So was it just the computer shutdown that caused this massive backlog? My gut feeling is uh, because it was March break, mm -hmm. the ship was at overcapacity. Yeah. 
So I, I had a feeling that this was the first time that Carnival was dealing with a ship that was over capacity this year or for years mm-hmm. in Charleston. And it seemed a little bit, uh, they seemed overwhelmed. Yeah. And that's kind of the gut feel. I'm not sure if that's actually what took place, but that's, that was my gut feeling. Sure. And so you yeah. make your way on board Carnival Sunshine finally. What were your first impressions of the ship? So like I was mentioning, when I checked the website, the ship's capacity is listed at 3,000 people on the Carnival website. But I believe there were 3,300 people on the ship. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm guessing that's because of the amount of kids that were staying on with their parents on that sailing. So my first reaction was, oh, wow, this feels really crowded, especially around the pool area outside where everyone was just amassed. And I didn't have that warm and fuzzy feeling initially. Things got a lot better as the cruise went on, but the the initial feeling was, oh boy, this is not what we're used to. And it's funny enough, we had taken a celebrity cruise in January, just my wife and I, Mm -hmm. and there were 1,200 people on that ship. Yeah with a capacity of 3,000. So it was just a completely different experience from what we had done two months prior. So how about the stateroom? What did you book and what did you think of it? So initially we had booked a balcony room on the horizon, but we moved, we decided to go with an ocean view cabin on the sunshine. We actually booked two rooms because my daughter was with us and she was supposed to bring a friend, mm-hmm. but that kind of fell through at the last minute. But um we got two ocean rooms that had an adjoining door. That way, my wife and I, we were in one room, and my daughter was in the other room. She kind of had a, a little bit of space for herself. She's 15, so she likes to have a little bit of space. Sure. And uh, the price was very reasonable. So anyways, it worked really well for us. We, we find one room for three is a little bit tight. Yeah. So having those two rooms, but with the door open at night was great. Yeah. You know, the ship itself is kind of dated, but they did a retro and the room itself was very clean and very practical. I like that Sunshine has the USB plugs. They added those during the retrofit. How was the storage? Plenty of storage. Yeah, it was great. And especially we had two rooms. Sure. So we had ample room uh, storage for, you know, the three of us. Yeah, gotcha. So let's talk about dining on this five-night cruise, and we'll start at the buffet area. How was that, and what would you think of it? So the buffet area, the food was pretty standard carnival fare, you know, nothing unexpected. It's okay. The buffet area itself to sit in was really crowded, but what we did is we went over to the Havana Bar, which is right behind it, kind of hidden, and the Havana Bar was always empty. So we would just grab our lunch, go there, and eat from there. And we loved it. The view from the Havana bar in the back is great. So if you go in the sunshine, stay out of the uh, buffet area to eat and just go to the Havana bar. Oh, I did eat at the deli one day. Mm -hmm. And the sandwiches at the deli are great. How about the pool deck restaurants like Guy's Burger and Blue Iguana Cantina? I did Guy's on one day. But I did find around the pool area, it was so crowded on the sea days. And the lineups were so brutal that, you know, I needed a Guy Fieri burger at least once, but I limited it at one for the, the sailing. That's a thing, right? Like those of us who have been cruising since the restart kind of got spoiled by the reduced capacity. And then when oh, things yeah. are getting back to normal, we're like, oh my gosh, this is a little too real for us. I get the feeling that this ship was built, if I'm not mistaken, when it was built in 96, it was the largest ship in the world. Mm-hmm. It was the first one at okay. 100,000 tons. Okay. And maybe it's me, but I had this feeling like 
it doesn't deal with crowds that well compared to the newer ships. And yeah. maybe that's just an observation, but there seemed to be areas of the ship where everyone just got stuck and the flow wasn't as good. Like on the horizon, you have the fifth floor decks where you can go and relax and it's quiet and there's a lot of room to sit. And But on this ship, you didn't really have that. So everyone just kind of congregated around the pool, which would be great if you weren't at overcapacity. Yeah. But because we were at overcapacity, I just found it was really crowded. Yeah, your observations are spot on. When they did the refurb in 2013, they actually added about 140 additional staterooms to Carnival Destiny before they switched the name to Sunshine. Decks 3 forward has some, and also Decks 5, and another deck, like a spa deck, they, oh, that was added to it brand new, so they really beefed up the capacity when the ship went into dry dock. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's still a nice ship. It still looks... Nice. Like it does have a bit of a feel like the horizon mm -hmm. in the areas that they redid yeah. in terms of decor, but uh, the capacity issue, yeah, yeah. is a little bit there. What time dining did you have and how was your experience in the main dining room? We used the app. We had any time dining because the early dining was full um, and we would basically book our table from the room and just wait. And it, typically it took about 15 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. There were a couple nights where the Wi-Fi wasn't great and the app didn't notify us. So we just, after 15 minutes, we just went and we were placed pretty quickly. Gotcha. What was your favorite meal in the main dining room? My favorite? Oh, they had the braised ribs one night, which was really good. Nice. And and of course, my, my daughter indulged with the uh, cho chocolate lava cake Every single night, so, you have to. Yeah, I got I got the leftovers. <laughs> does the uh, does the five night? Did they do lobster on five nights? No, they did not. No, no. I I was impressed though. One thing that they added was a unique item like frog's legs and alligator to the menu. I don't remember that being on the menu in the old like 2019, 2018. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's talk about the entertainment. How was it on this five night cruise? This is where. They really excelled, I found. Props go out to Jake, the cruise director, one of the best ones I've had at sea. You know, my wife and I have been on maybe 15 cruises or so. He was just amazing. We went to the sail away party and the, the, the big party at the last night, and he just had the crowd in his hands. Like, so fun, funny guy. I can't compliment the guy enough. I can see how some people actually cruise because he's the cruise director. Because he's so entertaining. Yeah. Any production shows? I know Carnival's kind of been hit or miss at the restart with these shows. We took in every show at night because my daughter is into those. And they were okay. The shows on the Sunshine did not have a live band. It was mm -hmm. all pre-recorded music with dancers. You know, it was typical cruise fare. We did take, the, uh, take in the uh, Love and Marriage show, uh -huh. which was absolutely hilarious. Uh, and I highly recommend a couple of things we did is we also played bingo. My daughter enjoyed that. So, and we, we took in some trivia on the ship on the sea days as well. We were trying to get away from the pool area. So sure. we looked through the schedule and we would do things indoors and, and that kept us busy and it was, we had a lot of fun together. So very cool. Which leads yeah. us to our next question, which is sea days. And I may know the answer to this one, but how was the ship on sea days when it comes to crowds and congestion? The pool area was really crowded, and all we did is we kind of avoided it, and we, we planned a lot of things indoors. And uh, 
indoors was empty, so it was fun, and and all the activities that we chose were a lot of fun. So it it, it worked. It actually worked out. Like we we had the scare on the first day when we first got on with the overcapacity, but as the cruise went on, you know, we we just kind of found our way and we we enjoyed it. Yeah, it's like, you know, like you and everyone else, you kind of find your spot, too. So everyone kind of like they don't really know where to go the first day. So everyone's kind of like all all in the public areas. But then you start finding these hidden decks at deck six and seven up front or the promenade around the side of the ship. And then it kind of starts. I'm not going to say that there's no more crowds, but things start easing up a little bit. Funny that you mentioned that there are some private decks on the sixth floor that you can access through the corridor. Mm-hmm. And so, and there was no one there. So we went there a couple of times just to kind of lounge around. Yeah, that's a favorite sail away point right there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a ship. little trick for that ship, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the ports of call. You did Bimini and you did Princess K on this one. How was Bimini? Do anything exciting there? We did, actually. We booked through Carnival the private resort, uh, what was it called? Resorts World. They have a private mm-hmm. beach. It's about $35 a person, and I highly recommend it. The beach is beautiful. Just beautiful turquoise water, just stunning. They have a nice pool area. They have bars. It's just a great day of chilling out by the beach. And uh, I, w- I would do it again. We loved Bimini. How was the weather at Bimini? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I'm coming from Canada, so I don't That's know. That's true. And yeah. anything is beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah, during the wintertime. And uh, how about Princess K? How was that? Princess K, same thing the next day. We didn't do too much. We just kind of chilled. And it was just, as, as Canadians, we're deprived of sun mm-hmm. for an entire winter. And, and just getting on an island and enjoying the sun was just, it was great. You know, we swam and just kind of chilled out. So if the ship was at 3,300 people, uh, how was the tendering process? I bet that was fun. Oh, Doug. That was the other problem. For tendering, it was a numbering system where you had to go get a, a number and they would announce the number and then, you know, okay, number 32, the group of 32, you can go now. So we got our ticket at eight o'clock in the morning and we weren't able to get off the ship. Our tendering was at, a, if I'm not mistaken, just before noon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we went for breakfast. And then we just kind of lounged around on the ship waiting for our number to be announced. And uh, that kind of sucked. Waiting three and a half hours to get off yeah. the ship was was kind of brutal. I mean, I made up for it because the, the island is beautiful. And we stayed to the very last minute. We were mm-hmm. on the last tender back. So we felt like we got our time anyways. But it was a little bit frustrating in the morning waiting. This is a good tip. If you do want to go early, make sure you get up at seven o'clock in the morning, go down, get your ticket, mm-hmm. and then you can get on one of the early tenders instead of waiting. So you make your way back to Charleston after a sea day. How was the debark there? The debark was quite easy. Uh, we got off, I would say it took us maybe 10 minutes to wait. And uh, they have a bus that brings you from the ship to the parking area. But instead of waiting in line, what we opted to do is just walk to the parking area, which is about a 10-minute walk, which I I would highly suggest that. Just avoid being in line again to get on the buses just to take a two-minute ride. So we walked that. We got out, and uh, it was pretty easy. One tip, though, is 
when you do arrive at the port before your cruise, make sure you enter the right port into your Google app or whatever you're using because the indications in the city itself to get to the port are kind of confusing. It's a bit of a confusing spot to get into. There's only one main entrance. So make sure that you've got the right spot on your app if you're using one. Very good. Any other first-time tips to offer? My first-time tip would be the Sunshine is still a good ship to go on, but I would probably avoid it during peak seasons. If you're in off-season and and it's running at maybe 2,000 passengers, it would still be a great ship to go on. But at full capacity, I would probably not go on it again. Yeah, that's fair. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Just everything. It was so nice to be on a ship again. We went in January and after a two and a half year break or whatever it was, it was just so nice being at sea again. And in January, it was just my wife and I, but this time around it was with my daughter and, you know, it was just nice to have a family event again and (laughs) have fun again. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Carnival Sunshine. Avoid if crowded, but still good ship if the price is right in the off season. And make sure that you give yourself a day or two in Charleston because it's an absolutely beautiful city to visit. We've been talking with Glenn about his five-night cruise on Carnival Sunshine out of Charleston, South Carolina. Glenn, good talking to you again, my friend, and thanks for this review. Hey, you too. Thanks, dude. Doug, what what do you have it set on? Is it on uh, Dynamic or? And this is, oh, oh, boy. Oh, wow. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.